I made a, a PowerPoint. <laughs> <laughs> this super awesome 80s lady and this gentleman, they were both photographed in the year that PowerPoint was invented. <laughs> Seriously, 1987. Um, PowerPoint's been around now for 29 years, and yet here today when I was thinking about how I was going to communicate my ideas to you, I resorted to using a product that we know is inferior, that we know there are better options, but that's kind of the allegory here, is that people who are going to be using the technology that you want to help, uh, who are going to be innovating and helping to teach students, they're often looking for something that's easy and useful and that they, uh, they know. And so um, our objective is to try and find a way that these innovations in digital learning can actually be useful to the people who are likely to resort to things like PowerPoint. Um, that's my information for real. I didn't make that up. Uh, so these are the institutions that I work with. Uh, as Marguerite mentioned, I work for the University Innovation Alliance, which is a group of institutions spread throughout the United States, mostly the largest and most innovative universities in the country. We serve about 400,000 students. Uh, and we're united around a sense of urgency that we're not producing enough college graduates to meet our future economic needs as a country. Like, we all know that, right? Like, generally, we're hitting a massive deficit. Uh, and the students that we are serving, we, we're doing a terrible job when it comes to low-income students, first-generation students, and students of color. And we think that going it alone to solve those two important problems is a waste of time, energy, and money. So we work together to share ideas, to scale up what works, and diffuse it. So these are the students that we serve at the UIA. It's about 400,000 students. The most important thing is we serve almost 120,000 Pell students. So when you think about other sectors that might dominate the media, that might get a lot of our attention and our energy, especially as college rankings come out in the next few weeks, um, maybe that's not where we should focus our attention if we're going to try and overcome the massive achievement gap facing the United States. But that's my, those are my thoughts. Uh, this is the work that we do, which is innovation, you know, radical idea that 11 heads are better than one. <laughs> you think that's not a new, that's a new idea in higher education. Um, <laughs> scale, uh, which is we take ideas that have been proven with evidence, at least 50,000 students, um, that we know, there's, there's, not, there's stuff out there that we actually know works and trying to scale it up across the country. And then figuring out how to share those ideas in a way that's meaningful and useful for people who are also working at institutions at different types of institutions. And while we are large public research universities, it's not because we think that's the best group, it's actually the slowest to change. So we are working within a fairly ossified category and we are actually achieving great things. We're now on track to produce an additional 94,000 graduates in the next 10 years. At least half will be low income. We've scaled up a lot of stuff, but I'm not here to talk about that with you. I'm here to talk to you about, while I've been working with these institutions, um, as the topic of the day is about what's next in digital learning, I want to make sure that I can share with you what I've learned from watching these institutions and what I wish that app developers, that product developers, that people who are trying to help us from the ed tech side of the house understand some of the challenges that we face. So, a few things. One, we, uh, I consistently run into the uh, problem of the overconfident 26-year-old from Silicon Valley that has a lot of venture capital money, which are super great. They're great people. Um, they want to make a difference. But unfortunately, superheroes uh, that come in from outside the sector are not always the most helpful tone or framing. Uh, in fact, the other problem is that 
you know, in K-12, everyone has their own experience and they believe that all of education is just like their own experience. People also, because they went to college, think they know how colleges work and they think they know how higher education works and that's actually not true. So a little bit less of a superhero on the outside and, and spending a little bit more time asking questions about what people need and what their challenges are and learning about the sector before you dive in um, has been a very helpful technique for some companies. Uh, <laughs> This was literally when I Googled the word empathy. So I would say that starting with an empathy approach, uh, you know, in design, we all know that, right, with design thinking. Yet when it comes to education, especially when it comes to interacting with a sector like higher ed, which is fairly ossified, lots of bureaucracy, we've been around literally like centuries. Um, you know, start with empathy, start with asking questions, start with understanding kind of the challenges that people are enduring. Because the reality is that radical idea they all want to change they all want to innovate they all deeply care about students start with those as a premise I promise you you will never be wrong and you will never be disappointed too often people walk in and they assume that people who are working in the sector you know they just need my help I'm gonna save them and they have you know they're they're the problem they're never the problem they're you know tolerating and moving through bureaucracy is a skill it's a rare skill and you need it and to survive in bureaucracy, that's really special. And that's what these people have, and you need them on your side. So I would say win friends with empathy. This one uh, is a little bit created by the venture capital community. Are there any venture capitalists here? Maybe. If so, give me a call. Um, so venture capitalists are really conflicted right now. They really want to invest in products. And, and then, you know, some it's the whole product versus services divide. And this is actually a real problem because I'm seeing that a lot of things are coming out as products that in order to be successful would need to be a service. They would actually need a service component. This is pretty logical. For me, the most important skill, uh, the most important focus for any company that you're working on, if you really wanna make a difference in higher education, you've gotta spend at least half of your time focusing on project management and onboarding. Because these people have really hard jobs uh, it's, it's difficult to just get through the baseline of tasks that were assigned to them 10 years ago. And the real epidemic in higher ed is this toxic belief that if we just give you another task, that your plate will expand. It's not true, and most people are overburdened, and, and, and the organizational design of universities has not adapted to the work of today. So you're talking about people who have a lot of stuff on their plate, they are working, they actually care about students. Bureaucracy is difficult and toxic, and it's hard to get through every day and they're just trudging through it. And then you want you come in and, and say like, hey, I can solve your problem with this whiz bang idea that I'm gonna throw over the fence. That doesn't work, right? They need someone who can come in and actually provide almost concierge-like service. And so I would say that venture capital needs to be kind of tapped on the shoulder that if you really wanna make a difference, if you actually wanna make money, that you need to focus on this. Because I will tell you, I've seen a lot of products, the ones that dominate, are not usually the best product. They're the ones who focus on project management and onboarding. I will take a crappy product with great service over the most amazing whiz-bang products ever that will never get used. Like PowerPoint, I will use PowerPoint. By the way, I tried to use like the 1980s transitions. I don't know if you've been doing that, but that was to <laughs> make sure to reinforce my point. The product, I guess the, the point is the product is not the innovation. Innovation is what people can do with it. And so if you really want to innovate, it's about emboldening people with the kinds of abilities, the kinds of skills, the kind of support that they need to be able to make a difference. Because 
it is really hard and these people actually care and they want your help but the way that we're coming together is not always the most helpful the final piece i would say is that we need your help we have a massive problem that we're facing and i firmly believe that we won't get there without technology because what we have is a scale problem and as we've heard about lectures and classrooms like there's no way that we're going to address this which is the shortage of college degrees we're facing if we want to keep our economy on track by 2025. There's no way that we step up as a country and serve that need and produce those degrees without using technology. But the formula I've seen from my work is it's leadership plus change management plus technology. And so what I'm here today is to try and help providing insights to you all that I've gained from my time in the field of where we need to work together as a community to innovate ed tech to better respond to the, those who they're trying to serve. The other piece that really matters is that for the first time in US history, low-income students are now the majority in public K-12, which means we don't have enough college degrees. We need to produce more. The pipeline of students that we need to serve that's coming, the big pipeline, are low-income students. But the real clincher is this is our history with them. This very bottom line, I know in the back you can't see this, but in 1970, if you were born into a low-income family, you had a 6% chance of getting a college degree. And you know all this innovation talk and how everything's so amazing and everything's getting so much better? Oh, psych, it's only now 8% likelihood, and it's been 30 years. We are doing a terrible job when it comes to helping the people who are the majority of the pipeline that we need to serve if we're gonna get our economy back on track and if we're gonna meet the needs of our future. There's no way we can do this without your help and I hope that what I've shared with you today is insightful. If not, ignore it, that's cool. If nothing else, I created this PowerPoint for you. <laughs>